Hello, podcast legends. Welcome back to the podcast. Been a little bit slack on the podcast lately, but we're back into it. Been super busy getting ready for Hatter, doing as much writing as I could. So we've freed up a bit more, just a little bit more spare time now. So could devote some more energy to the podcast. We've got uh, some really good guests lined up moving forward, which I'm really looking forward to sharing with you guys. Um, as always, if you've got any requests or people you would love to hear on the podcast, shoot them through to me. I'm always open to the um, to suggestions there too. Today, we're going to have a quick race review on Hatter. I've had a few people uh, request this one for me, from me, I should say. So I'm just quickly going to go through, I guess, the race for myself, some, some positives that I took away, some lessons that I learned. For you, maybe you've raced it before, maybe you're going to race it for your first time. I'm sure there'll be some knowledge or some some takeaways in here that you'll be able to apply for yourself. So firstly, I guess it's just awesome to see what the event has grown to and what it's become. I first raced it back in 2006 and um, when Wonka, oh, Brad Williscroft won it that year, he was, he was winning everything back then pretty much. So he won it that year. I actually got six out right that year, but in all honesty, like it was a glorified club day back then would probably be the, the best way to describe it. Like I'm pretty sure there was only 180 entries. Um, it was a like, just like a big, a big club day essentially. So to see what they've, what the clubs actually turn the event into is like, they need to be congratulated for that. Because um, it's it is like literally a world class event now, which which is awesome. Um, and for them to make the event happen in obviously what's a pretty tough time at the moment with COVID and everything going on, that they could have thrown their hands in the air, I'm I'm sure, and just and cancelled the event like plenty of people are doing. So again, pat on the back to the club and congratulations to them for actually making the event happen for us to actually race. So. It's still like it's as I remember it. It's still the funnest race out there. I think like it's the most fun you can possibly have on a dirt bike. That that first lap, those first two laps, is just like full send mode. Like the track is just like no other track that I've ever ridden in terms of how fast it is and how flowy it is. And like you don't really ride that many tracks where you actually ride your bike as fast as it will possibly go in every gear, including top gear. Like you've got your bike on the stopper pinned. Um, so it's it's just, it's a real fun time. If you like riding sand, like it's got to be on your bucket list of events to, to complete. And that being said, again, I'd take my hat off to anyone who enters the event and, and especially to anyone who just finishes it. Like it's a super tough event asks every bit of you so just to finish that event is you deserve a pat on the back in my book so for me i guess a few positives i got 50 second outright and third in the over 35s class so actually wasn't really didn't really achieve my goal of what i wanted to get i was aiming to get top 40 
But that being said, I really I'm a realist and I haven't actually raced for the last time I raced had I was 2013 and then I didn't actually even have a motorbike for like five years. Then I did one cross country race in 2018 and this year I, I did two sprint races. So I've done bugger all racing in the last 10 years um, and not that much bike time. So honestly, I had absolutely no idea where I would be. I knew I was riding pretty well but um, and felt good and obviously my fitness was a big positive for me leading into the event. Like I know now I'm fitter, I'm stronger, I'm more mobile, uh, I eat better food and more food um, and better hydrated than I ever was when I was racing back then. Um, so I had that, like that, I guess, bit of confidence within my physical preparation, but I knew that I hadn't actually ridden that much. So I was unsure where I would be speed-wise. So like I said, the goal was to get top 40. I got position 52. In all honesty, like all things considered, like I say, I haven't ridden that much, haven't raced at all hardly. So I'm super stoked with that and it's a good result to build off. The main reason I wanted to get in the top 40 is just when you prologue in the top 40, uh, when you finish in the top 40, sorry, that means next year you get to prologue in the top 40 and um, it's just a little bit of an advantage at, at prologue. But I actually had a good prologue this year and our over, 30, over 35s class actually prologues near the front anyway and I got right up the front of our group so I wasn't really held back by my prologue in any, any way, shape or form. So a few positives I take away from the event. One was my riding technique. Like That's something I have worked on a lot in the last few years. So looking back at the photos I do have of me riding when I used to race Hatter and, and get in the top 10 and the top 20, I'm like, oh, I look at my riding technique. I'm like, shit, it's just, it's not great. Um, so the photos that I've seen of myself riding from the race, I'm pretty happy with. Like there's a couple of little tiny little things there with um, feet on the pegs off the rear brake. But um, in all honesty, like as a comparison to where I was, like the last time I raced it, just that in itself, my, my riding technique and especially like at the end of the race when you are feeling a bit fatigued, it was on point for the entire race. So that was a big positive for me to take away. Um, lap time wise, I only dropped four minutes from my fastest lap. My first lap was obviously the fastest, was I think it was a 36.30. My last lap was obviously the slowest. I think it was a 40 minutes and 40 seconds. So it was a pretty much bang on four minute drop. So I was pretty happy with that. Obviously the track's way worse at the end. So it's, it's blown apart. Um, but so I would expect that the last lap's gonna be a bit slower anyway, but in between that, all of my laps in between, like lap two, lap three, lap four, five, and six, they were pretty consistent. And actually, I think my fifth lap was almost, apart from my first lap, was my fastest. So lap times-wise, they were in the middle of the race and towards the end, apart from the last lap, um, they were pretty consistent and all within sort of 30 to 60 seconds of each other. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, obviously, I'd like to tighten that up, but... It was in all in all again. I was I was pretty happy with that because you 
you look at some people's lap times and those last two laps just go out the window. So again, that was another little positive for me was I made most of my passes in the last bit of the race. I struggled at the start with speed, which I'll talk about um, in one of my, I guess, a lesson I took away from the race. But a positive was that the last half of the race was where I passed most people. So I think I made up like 18 places from about lap three till the end of the race. So that was a big positive. Again, I wasn't super duper fast, but I was more consistent than most people, um, than the people I was battling with anyway. So I passed heaps of guys. Um, well, when I say heaps, like uh, there's five or six that stand out to me that blew by me on the first lap and I couldn't keep up with them on 450s or 500s. And I passed all of them in the last two laps and beat them. So that felt good. <laughs> um, so another positive for me was, I kind of touched on it, but the body, like the body was on point. I felt really good, never had any um, issues at all in terms of fatigue or or um, feeling weak or anything like that, like or feeling like I was like gassing out or anything like that. The, the whole time of the race, I felt good. Um, and like to build off that point, Apart from I had one small lap on the uh, one small crash on the first lap, which I was coming up. I think this dude he must have had a flat tire or something because um, he'd started in front of me. It was on the first lap, but he was just riding really slow, like he was standing up on the pegs and just sort of just cruising along. And I kind of misjudged how slow he was going, and we came into a corner, um, and I came up on him like it was like at the end of a straight where you mack down in fourth gear into a long sweeper, and I just misjudged how slow he was going. So I had to change my line at the very last minute and then I tucked the front, dropped the bike, got back up, kept going. So that was the only time, the only time I crashed, but not only just the only time I crashed, I didn't even have any moments. Like normally it's that type of race, like the track gets gnarly and it's super fast. So you normally have like one of those experiences where you're like, holy shit, I just nearly could have died if I had to come off them. I didn't even have one of them. Like, I didn't even, apart from that first lap incident, I didn't even look like tucking the front in a corner. Like, I just rode smooth consistently. And that was, I guess, was my goal, was to just ride ride well, ride within my limits, um, and, and obviously finish the race above and beyond all. So, tick that, that box pretty good. So, another big positive for me was my nutrition. So what I actually took in, this may be a benefit to some of you, what I actually took in for the race, I consumed 1,100 calories for the entire race and that was a mix of um, powdered mix in my hydration packs, which I use Electrolyte Plus, it's a bulk nutrients product. So it was a mixture of that, I think I had about 400 calories from memory, 200 in each of my hydration packs. from that product and then every pit stop I was doing two lap pit stops so every pit stop I'd bang down two gels which was a little bit over 200 calories so I was hitting that 300 calorie an hour bracket was the goal and I also had 5,000 milligrams of sodium and electrolytes added to my hydration packs so that was a win for me energy wise my nutrition was spot on Um, no cramping, no lack of energy, no ups and downs, like that was on point. What did let me down, and it's my first lesson that I wrote, and then if you read my 
Instagram posts that I wrote, I, I listed it on there. But although my nutrition was on point, I took in enough calories, I took in enough electrolytes, I didn't have enough water. Um, I only had three liters for the whole race. So my race time was four and a half hours or four hours and 29 minutes or whatever it was. So the general rule of thumb is one liter per hour. So if you, if you do the math on that, it's four and a half liters. And that is actually what I'd planned to do. I planned to have a three liter. And then at my last pit stop, I was going to throw on a little 1.5 just to get me through the end of the race. But we were in a rush when we left and I actually forgot my three liter camelback. And believe it or not, I couldn't find one um, anywhere. So what I ran was two 1.5 liters and I also had like a drink bottle in the pit. So every time I'd stop, I'd have a skull of that. And I thought that would be enough to like get my, so all up it was like 3,800 mil, 3.8 liters, but it just wasn't enough. Like the fourth lap, so I got to the end of my third lap and my, my hydration pack was empty. So it, I did the whole fourth lap, which it's about 30, it was taking me 36, 37 minutes through the middle of the race. So I went like 37 minutes with no hydration. And same thing on the last lap. It ran out, my second pack ran out on the end of the sixth lap. So my entire last lap, which was 40 minutes, no hydration. So like I say, it didn't ruin the race for me because I'd got my calories and my electrolytes in, in that, um, in that three liters. However, I just felt like I was thirsty. Like I, I wanted to drink. Um, so looking back on it and thinking critically, I think I, if I did run the three liter, I could potentially even go a bit higher on the calories and, and try getting some more calories in, like not heaps, just like maybe another hundred and another 200. Um, and obviously just have more, um, potentially like some more electrolytes too. Um, so, but the main thing is would just actually be able to have something so like that steady stream of calories coming into the system for the entire race. So that was a little bit of a lesson. Again, I knew that I, I'm like a heavy drinker. I know I need to drink a liter per hour, uh, so I knew that coming in and it was a mistake on my behalf and I thought having that drink bottle in the pits would be enough to get me close, um, but it just wasn't quite. And like I said, it didn't ruin my race. I don't think I really went backwards because of it, but like I say, if we're talking about being optimal and being 100%, it was probably just a tiny bit under. So that's something I'll definitely tidy up next year. We'll make sure I've got four and a half liters of hydration for the entire race. So another big lesson for me is I struggled at the start of the race. Um, and what I mean by that is not really speed. Like I just struggled riding the track because I hadn't ridden any prep sand. So all the practice tracks I've got to ride around here are like are out in the bush. They don't get maintained. So they're just blown to pieces. That's awesome because it's great for obviously just being able to ride through rough stuff and, and know what the bike's going to do when you when you when you're hitting whoops and and big square edge holes. It's awesome for being able to create new lines and ride around that stuff. So it's also awesome for obviously conditioning on the bike. But riding prep sand when it's fresh is different. When there's no berms formed there's no bumps at all. 
it's a different, I guess, skill in itself of writing, and I hadn't practiced any of that. So I felt a little bit uncomfortable at the start of the race because there's no lines formed up on the first lap. You can just go wherever you want. And whilst that sounds like it's easier, it kind of is in a way, but like I say, I just hadn't practiced it. Like for the two months up leading up to Hatter, all I did was go to that track that's flogged and pound laps around it. I hadn't ridden any smooth tracks. So that for me, that was a big lesson um, which I guess I'd kind of forgotten about from racing it years ago was just how well prepped the track is. I think that was probably another thing because they didn't have the race last year. They've had two years. So they actually put in like a lot. It was no joke. Like the track was fully prepped. It's 38 k's long. It's massive. And the thing, it was ripped and, and, and tilled the whole way around the track. So it was, um, it was awesome. Like, but again, that's like a lesson for me. I, I definitely need to work on that next time. So I'll, I'll definitely be splitting up my motos in my preparation next time um, and trying to find, it's pro, it's kind of a hard thing for, for me to do in all honesty around here where I live, but I'll make the effort to try and find some some sand tracks that are actually prepped so I can practice that. Um, next one would be more bike time. So I guess this, again, this is kind of like, uh, a no shit statement, but, but more bike, I definitely will look to get more bike time. Again, it was something that was a little bit out of my control. I did the best with what I had. I got 28 hours on that bike, so I bought it in February and I kept this one on the download, but I actually had a little injury in February, tweaked my knee a little bit which kept kept me off the bike and yes I was wearing knee braces um if you'd listened to my knee braces uh podcast that um it was one of those things that I truly believe everything happens for a reason and that had to happen because I just well it wasn't long after I'd started training under my new coach is doing my programming now and I had a pretty good process for knee rehab, but it was like the universe was like, boom. If you want to be good at rehabbing people's knees and you want to be the best coach you can be, then bam, cop this. So I had to tweak my knee, had to go through that process. And through that process, um, again, I'm actually grateful for it because I learned a ton off my new coach who taught me a heap of little things that I just added into that process of getting back to 100%. So I didn't actually start riding until the start of April. So I did 28 hours between the start of April and the start of Hatter. And we also had freaking a lockdown in that period, which kind of stuffed me up too. I had two weekends away riding. One was to go to Rainbow, uh, which had to get canned and I couldn't ride because of the street, the good old COVID. So, uh, again, that's a bit of a no brainer. Uh, for me, like I say, my fitness is really good now and my strength, that's not what's holding me back for me. It's bike time. Like I, when I used to race, uh, I've relied on bike time. Like that's what got me through was bike time. I used to blow 40 liters of fuel every weekend, every weekend and gate drops. Like we would race, 
if there was a race on and it was five hours away, we were driving there to race. Like, the, you couldn't go to Ride Park. There was no practice tracks back then like there are now. So our the way we rode and, and got bike time was to race. So we drove as far as we had to drive to race every weekend. So that's what got me through back in the day. Now, obviously, I don't do that now. I'm running my own business, got a family. That's where I struggle is getting the time to get quality riding in on the bike. So I know I need to be better at that and I'm in a position now, we've got what, 11 and a half months till the start of Hatter again. I'm fit, I'm healthy. Um, I got plenty of time now to get bike time in between now and the start of the race next year. So uh, I'm confident that one is not something I'm gonna have to worry about leading into the race next year. Like I say, a couple of things that were a little bit out of my control and and I did the best with what I had in, in that situation. So I guess another lesson was just about the bike. Um, to get the most, like I'll, I'll say it right here right now, the, the little 250 definitely did not hold me back. Like I didn't, I would, really don't think I would have got that much a better result on a different bike like that thing freaking hammers I tell you I was blown by 450s and 500s down the straights like the hard pack straights like not the deep sandy ones where it's like it sucks the power out of the bike but there's some some straights that are actually hard packed like I was blown by 450s so the bike was fast and it taught me just how fast it is. And what I mean by that is traditionally I'm a short shifter. Like I love to short shift the bike. I'm probably not a really good fit for a 250F in all honesty <laughs> because like I like to carry a tall gear and that's why I, I, I do well on a 450 or even a 252 stroke. You can, they lend themselves towards that style of riding a lot more than a 250F. So I thought that I was revving the 250F hard, and I thought I was riding it hard until I went to a track like Hatter. And then you're like, okay, you've got another quarter of throttle to go, and you've got about another 2,000 RPM. Honestly, like, you to get the most out of that bike at Hatter, it had to be on the stopper. Like, it's just, that's where it had to be. Like, as soon as you came out of a corner onto a straight, the throttle was pinned, no questions asked. It was on the stop and I had to hold to get the bike to get it to pull in sixth gear I had to hit limiter in every gear like so third fourth fifth had to hit limiter and then click six because the sixth like most enduro bikes it's a real overdrive so you go from fifth on limi into sixth and it'd be like Boah. so if you weren't hitting limi in, in fifth it wouldn't pull six it'd just you'd actually go slower when you went into six so it actually taught me that like this bike is actually way faster than you fucking think it is. Like it revs way harder than you think it will rev. Because um, as a rule, like I'd never really hit limit limiter on the bike before. And honestly, like uh, that's not how I ride. I don't ride the bike in that part of the rev range. Like I thought I was revving it hard and I thought I was holding gears longer um, and using all the, the, the rev range and the torque curve but man those things like when you put them to the stop and rev them out they fucking go they make speed 
Um, and I honestly think that's like that's where I was catching people. It was because I only ran fourteen fifty one because of the gear in six gears so tall. I ran fourteen fifty one, which isn't really that tall a gear in. Like it's pretty standard. I just went up one on the front. It had so much punch. Like in not that I was using second, but that much. But you, most of the straights you'd come out on to the straight in third. Like you'd come out of the turn in third hit the stopper, rev it out in third, rev it out in fourth, rev it out in fifth. It, like, through third and fourth, it had so much punch and pull because the gearing wasn't too tall. So that's where I was actually catching the 450s. Like, when I'd come out of the corner and just pin it in third, fourth, like, it would make speed real quick. And I'd just reel them in, and then I'd, like, click top gear and just go past them. So it was... It was cool, like, it taught me a lot about how to actually ride the bike to get the most out of it, um, and yeah, like I say, it taught me that I wasn't actually revving the bike hard, like, I thought I was, but I actually wasn't, <laughs> and that had this whole other level of of power and, and speed there, so I guess the downside to that is it's actually, like, it, it's you use a lot of energy riding a bike like that. Like, although you, you you go in the same speed as a 450 or similar speed, like, you actually, the input you're giving the bike is, like, you're super busy all the time. So, not that I, like I say, it wasn't fatiguing, but to get the most out of the bike and to be able to keep up with those big bikes, you, you couldn't take a break. Like, when you ride a 450 at that race, you can ride a 450 at three-quarter throttle and still be fast still be going fast. You ride a 250F at three-quarter throttle and you're getting left for dead. So I guess in that respect, I feel like a 450 over four and a half hours for me personally, but there's guys on 250Fs that I think Corin Bay can come 12th, I'm pretty sure, can't remember exactly, but like it's, the bike's not slow. Like There's dudes that are getting top 10 or close to the top 10 on 250F. So but for me personally, over four and a half hours, I feel like, especially like the last two laps, I could be faster on a on a 250F. Um, oh, sorry, on a 450. <laughs> because I could just, you could, you don't have to ride a 450 at its absolute limit to, to still be going fast. So next year, I'm going to do it on a 450. Like I say, not because I think the bike was holding me back, just because I want to see it. Like, I know it's a 450 track, right? Like, the, the, the bike, the track is fast. So, it's, if, like, no one that wants to win that event is going to ride, is going to show up on a 250F. So, it's, it's a 450 and a 500 track. So, I know next year is going to be my best shot at getting my personal best result or achieving my own personal best. So I'm going to give it a crack on a 450 next year just to see. And then honestly, the year after that, I'm going 252 banger again because I saw those new Yamahas that come out the other day and I'm like, yeah, I think I need one of those. Um, I've done it so many times on a 252 banger and I know they're good. I know they're strong. So that'd be a cool thing to do. I think is go 450, go 252T. And then I've done it three years on three different bikes, and I'm like, okay, I know, I'll know which one is right 
for me, for where I'm at, which is the most fun. Um, so yeah, that'll be something cool that I think I'll do over the next couple of years. But next year, definitely going to go go hard at it and put in a, a big year of riding between now and then because I, I definitely feel like I've got a top 40 result in me, like at least a top 40 result. I know, I like I say, I that that res, I was deserving of that result because that's like I rode a good race. I didn't have any crash, major crashes. I didn't fatigue. I didn't have any disasters. Um, so like that result is that's where I'm at. But right now, but like I say, I know my lead up. Um, the actual time on the bike and and racing like I haven't haven't done enough gate drops like I haven't just got out there and banged bars with people and and, and learnt how to race again um, for a long time so I got 12 months to work on that and uh, that's what I mean I'm, I'm quite confident I've got at least a top 40 result in me and best bet to do that's going to be on a 450 I reckon so give that a crack next year um, other than that, like massive shout out to WBR motorcycles. They were a huge help, not just on the weekend. Like they obviously had the, the semi set up there, which was pretty cool. I felt like a bit of a, a pro factory rider there, <laughs> um, in, in my first year back as a vet, which was pretty cool. Like I never, I guess, honestly didn't even dream of that when I was racing because I never actually, like I've said, if you feel, if you've followed my story and listened to all my podcasts and stuff, like I I never believed I could be a pro rider back in the day, even when I was getting top tens at Hatter. So I literally never ever dreamt of having my bike under a semi like that. So <laughs> that's what's such a cool thing about being part of the the WBR program is like those boys don't do shit by halves. Like they go all in when they do things. Um, so just the quality of, of how they run their program and, and and what they put into it, it's it's definitely they definitely raise the bar and that's what I love about um, being supported by them and getting to work with those guys. So that was a really cool thing on the weekend, just be, getting to be under the semi with them and then obviously just they prepped the bike, they rebuilt it for me the week before so it was fresh, um, fitted up the steering dampener and the tank and all those little items to get the bike dialed in and honestly like it did not miss a beat the bike like heaps of people dnf that invent because their bikes explode um little baby blue she did not miss a beat and anyone that's ever ridden a four stroke at that event will know like when they get hot you can smell like the oil stinks when normally when i've ridden a four stroke there um maybe it's a 250f thing because it's not as powerful and it doesn't generate as much heat i don't know but didn't even know the bike had done it like it didn't smell hot didn't smell oily anything like that so the bike did miss a beat um so big shout out to wbr and a big thank you from me for them um they also organized those ims tanks from the states we had to get them sent direct from ims because we couldn't find them anywhere else so lots of help that they gave me to get to the start line and obviously the pit crew on the day and everything as well so big shout out to them and of course, my suspension guy, Stell, for getting the suspension dialed in. Like I said, I mentioned it before. Didn't have a single moment in that race where I was like, holy shit, that was that was close. Like, the bike was was solid all day. So, shout out to him. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's a credit to him that I 
did some testing with him like two days before the race out at one of the tracks and we tried a couple of things and we actually came back to the setting that I had come to myself like obviously not just myself but like messaging him like just when I'd been out riding on my own and I'm like it's doing this I need to try should we try this and he would guide me in which direction to go um, with the settings so we tried a couple of different things like two days before the race and I felt like it actually made it worse. So we actually came back to the setting that like he and I had come up with, but what I'd like dialed the bike in, just talking to him on the phone and riding on my own. So that was a really cool thing for me, like, um, and, and for him as well, like, cause he's educated me on that. Like I've learned so much about bike setup from him in the last 12 months. Um, so that, and that was like, I guess a little confidence booster for me is like, okay, like that's, I have learnt so much about bike setup and that setting that I thought was good was actually fucking good because we tried a couple of things and it got actually made the bike worse. So again, that was just like a, an awesome little um, confidence booster on, on the bike setup before the race as well. So shout out to Stel. Um, and then like the other thing I would say is just if you're listening to this and you are at the race, whether you you cheered for me or not, or you cheered for other people, but just like, that's another thing that makes the race what it is. Like you don't, um, as a rule in Australia, like they get some fans in an AORC, but it's like at Hatter, it's a 38K track. And like for a lot of the track, you've got people swinging over the fence, like cheering you on. It's a pretty cool thing. Like you can always find an extra thousand revs or an extra bit of throttle when someone cheering you on, I reckon. So again, that's just something that makes the race as cool as it is. Like, um, and I find like, it definitely helps. Like it's, I'd be lying if I said, um, it doesn't help. Like when you see someone hanging over the fence, you're like, right, I'm going to fucking send it around this corner. <laughs> I'm going to send it through this set of whoops. So it helps like, it helps you charge for the whole lap, I think, having people like that. So shout out to you if you were there cheering people on. It's an awesome thing. Keep it up. Um, see you all there next year. I'm definitely going back. Um, I loved it. Like I say, definitely a few things I can work on, but I had a great time and really looking forward to the event. Darcy's on my case to get him a 65. He wants to race it next year, so <laughs> that'll be the next thing he'll be the boys will be out there tearing it up, which will be pretty rad. So I reckon I've got a couple of years left in me of, of I guess, getting to focus on myself. And then, like, I'm pretty sure they're going to be wanting to go pretty hard on it. So I'll be focusing most of my efforts on them, which will be also awesome as well. But other than that, um, yeah, I'll see you all then see you all there next year and if you've got any if you are doing the event for the first time or you've got any questions or any feedback like hit me up i'm more than happy to help um just shoot us a message a dm on insta and yeah i'm more than happy to help with questions about bike setup or or nutrition or whatever it is just hit us up other than that guys hope you enjoyed it and we will see you on the next one Bye bye